Welcome back to our weekly podcast, Your Week with St. Luke's. We are so excited that we are lecturing on the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, um, in particular, seeking to make real the kingdom of heaven parables that Jesus preaches about and teaches about in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been looking at the parables from Matthew chapter 13, and now we're going to skip ahead to Matthew 18, to one of my most favorite parables. One that we will look again in the Gospel of Luke, but we're going to see today that Matthew uses it in a very particular way for the church at its time. So we're going to start um, kind of looking backwards in order to look forwards, but let me read you the parable for today, which begins on verse 10. Take care, excuse me, that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you in heaven their angels continually see the face of my father. What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over it more than the other 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of the young of your father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. Now I want to remind you, <clears throat> this is the second half of Matthew. If Matthew is in two parts, and the first part, where the Sermon on the Mount is, sets up this idea of the conflict of the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of this world, whether they be political or religious, now we see in the second half of Matthew's gospel that that conflict is coming to life. This conflict is happening because Jesus and his disciples are continuing to teach and preach and follow and have more and more followers. They're gaining popularity. They have great fame. And now we're seeing this conflict come to life. For the kingdom of the world, the empires and the religious authorities are being threatened by Jesus and his popularity. They're being threatened by his teachings of equity and justice, and now they are plotting against him, which will eventually lead to the cross. Chapter 18 begins as Matthew's fourth teaching time. There's four different discourses in the Gospel of Matthew. The first was the Sermon on the Mount, which was chapters 5 through 7. The second was his missional teaching in chapter 10, which was the calling of the disciples and the cost of discipleship. This was very much like the Gospel of Mark's teaching on the cost of discipleship as well. The third teaching was chapter 13, which we've covered the last two weeks, which are the parables of the kingdom of heaven. And finally, now in chapter 18, in this particular discourse, Jesus takes all of those teachings about the kingdom of heaven and inviting people into the cost of discipleship and says, okay, this is what it means. If you're going to live as citizens of the kingdom of of heaven right here now as disciples, it's going to cost you in the way that you live in community with one another. Now, a little background about the idea of community and Matthew's church. If you remember, in this particular time, in this gospel, Jesus is teaching to his first followers, but it was written by Matthew or someone called Matthew, who was writing it for a church some 70 plus years after Jesus has died. This community, this church, Matthew's the only one that uses the word, was most likely in Antioch or some other Greek-speaking, urban kind of city area. We think it was Antioch because Antioch had a large Jewish population who would have been divided 
between those who followed Jesus as the anticipated Messiah, those who would have been in Matthew's church, and those who would have seen Jesus as an insurrectionist, and were living into a kind of new Judaism that was being created after the destruction of the temple. Matthew's church was living in the midst of this tension, not only the tension of the <clears throat> religious uh, growing new Judaism that they would have found themselves with, but also the growing Gentiles who were beginning to follow Jesus as well. One commentator explains it like this. We may picture Matthew himself and others in his community as Jews who would have grown up before the war of 66 to 70 when the, the temple was destroyed. They would have grown up with the synagogue as their spiritual home. Sometime prior to the destruction of the temple, they encountered missionaries of the Jesus movement. They converted to faith in Jesus, but converted to faith in Jesus as the Son of God, the fulfillment of their hopes for a Messiah. And they would have never dreamed that following Jesus as, as the Messiah of the Jewish people would have alienated them from their religious and cultural home in Judaism. As tensions developed between those who followed Jesus and those who did not, and this new growing sect of Judaism that was starting to burgeon after the destruction of the temple, these followers in Matthew's church would have found themselves isolated from the synagogue. They would have felt themselves more similar to the Gentile world than this new Judaism, but they were still very much connected to and affirming their Jewish tradition and their Jewish roots. So in other words, see if this sounds familiar. <clears throat> the Church of Matthew was an a time of incredible social change, trying to adapt, trying to grow into this new understanding of following Jesus and the heart and the law of God, while remaining faithful to the scripture and tradition that came from their foundation and their roots. So it's that context that we then hear Jesus speaking about how to live in community. Now, this section of the book was often called, is often called the book of church order or the explanation of church polity that Jesus gives right before he goes to the cross. And while Matthew centers everything in his gospel around this vision of the kingdom of heaven that has come to earth with Jesus, come to us with Jesus, and is both now and not yet, he believed now in this teaching in chapter 18, he was showing his disciples how to be the church, which is kind of a colony of the kingdom of heaven on earth. A colony that lives in community with the most vulnerable and the weakest at its center, with forgiveness and prayer and worship as a driving discipline, a group of people who would seek to live in joint responsibility, interdependence, justice, and care of one another. And that the leaders would ensure that the church becomes an extension and a living example of the kingdom of God on earth. Now, we have to back up a few verses between chapter verses 1 and 10 in chapter 18 to understand that, like Mark, Jesus gets into this idea of the good shepherd and the kingdom of heaven being like a good shepherd who goes to find the one who went astray. It begins with this conversation about who is the greatest among us. In Mark, that conversation happens between the disciples, and it's very, very distinctive. Listen to that in Mark. And they, disciples and Jesus, came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing along the way? But the disciples kept quiet, for on the way they had argued with one another about who 
was the greatest. Now that conversation about who is the greatest has to do with who is the greatest right here in the present moment. Jesus, who do you like the most? Who is your fan favorite? Who are you going to let sit by you right now in this world, in this moment? Now this for Matthew, that conversation would have been a very tension filled for the people of Matthew's church, right? Because they were living in this tension where constantly in their present day situation, it was being argued, who is the greatest? Is it those who follow Jesus and who are Jewish or those who are Jewish and see Jesus as an insurrectionist? So Matthew takes that same particular scripture and changes it just a little. Well, just a lot. Instead, Matthew says, at the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because the kingdom of this world is not what matters to the disciples and to Jesus in Matthew's gospel. It's the kingdom of heaven that matters. So Jesus in this moment and Matthew's through Matthew's words, raises the consciousness of the church up to a higher understanding of what great means. To be great does not mean to be great on this world. To be great means to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And with that, Jesus then gives that Matthewan reversal of fortunes. <clears throat> to get into the kingdom of heaven and be considered great there, Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, you need to revert your thinking. You have to be converted to the thoughts of a little child. Now think about it. He uses children at home not only chronologically in age, but he uses children to to signify what children meant in that time. And children meant in that time nothing. They were nothing more than property, they were inferior, they were without rights. And so here Jesus reverses our understanding and says to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a humble child, someone who is overlooked, someone who is also vulnerable and innocent. Those are who is great in the kingdom of heaven, not only in the kingdom of heaven eternally, but on earth as well. And then Jesus, right before verses 10, says, and it is the church's responsibility, it's the community's responsibility to not only center these most vulnerable, switching from the word children to little ones, meaning the most vulnerable among them, the newest to faith, those who had just come, who may be the weakest. We not only center them in a community, that is based on the kingdom of heaven, but we must make sure that we must not become stumbling blocks to other little ones he uses. Now stumbling blocks here in Greek would have been translated into scandals. God, Jesus was forbidding the community and leaders, which would have not just been pastors, but anyone who considers them stronger in the faith. We must ensure that we never create any scandals that will be stumbling blocks to the weakest, most vulnerable among us in the church. Now, just think about all that's going on in the world today about the church. Think about the sexual assaults that are being covered up that we are starting to see happen in other denominations. Think about our own denomination that is trying to actually uh, center the voice of the most vulnerable in our community and it has caused another group of people to leave and start their own denomination of exclusivity. Scandals that are causing a, a witness and harming the most vulnerable among us and causing them to question, is this truly a God of love? Is this a community that's safe for me? 
these stumbling blocks of today are causing people to start to stray and to be marginalized and vulnerable even within the context of the church. Now we understand how the scripture then goes on and says, take care of these little ones that you do not despise them for I tell you in heaven their angels see the face of my father in heaven. Matthew's clear. Even heaven is worried about the most vulnerable among the church community. Heaven has given them the most exalted angels who see the face of God. Heaven does not give up on the marginalized or the lapsed or the strayed. And what heaven values so dearly cannot be disdained by those who are stronger in the church on earth. Then we move into understanding this idea of a good shepherd who goes to find the one who is astray, leaving the 99 to care for themselves. This would have meant a lot to the Jewish community who is following Jesus because it would have referred them back to their tradition of when Israel was considered a flock and the good shepherd went to find them and save them and bring them to safety. Now Luke, in this particular parable, sees this as evangelism. It's really about the Gentile being the one who is outside the flock. But Matthew is very specific because, again, Jesus is teaching about how they live in community. The little ones are those who are most vulnerable in faith, who are newest to the faith, who are weakest in the congregation. Matthew says, the good shepherd goes and finds the one who's been pushed to the margins of a faith community, who's been forgotten about, who hasn't been centered, who hasn't been marginalized. And the work of of pastoral care is to ensure that if someone has strayed, we go find them and bring them back. And the 99 wait and take care of one another in enthusiastic hope and patience for the time that the one will be brought back. Tom Long says that God, God's angels, but also the church is called to be a vigilant mother who keeps a, a, a heedful eye on the littlest ones watching over them and caring for them. Now, when we consider why one might have gone astray, it could be the scandals they have witnessed that have made them doubt or wonder if the church is safe for them. Maybe they felt harm. Maybe they are confused by faith and their relationship with God. Whatever it meant, Jesus may have been referring to himself to the first disciples, but Matthew is allowing Jesus's words to help tell the church what their role is in living in community as people who are citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling them, you're responsible for one another. You see here, the church in chapter 18 becomes a good shepherd. The whole church, not just the leaders of the church, but the those who are stronger in their faith, those who have been a part of the church and the community for a long time, it is your responsibility to become the good shepherds who make sure that we centralize the newest ones, the weakest ones, those who are new to faith, mentoring them. And if one of them gets harmed, if one of them goes astray, we make sure that someone goes to find them and reconcile them back into the life of faith. So I leave you that because it gives us a lot of food for thought especially on this Sunday when we remember the tragedy that happened six years ago, or seven years ago actually, in Central Florida at the Pulse nightclub. Jesus 
turns the parable in Matthew onto us. Who, who's been pushed to the sides of our flock? Who might have strayed? And, and again, what are our expectations that we are called, each and every one of us as a part of the church, especially those who have long been a part of any church, to go and turn our expectations upside down that we're supposed to just care for one another and to go be one of those good shepherds who goes and finds people and welcomes them back and listens and and stands on their doorstep until they are willing to come back and 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 even sometimes apologize for how maybe the church has done harm in order to rehearse this idea of loving one another in order to love God and love God's people so that we become an example of the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. I invite you to consider that and and maybe consider how we need to go find someone who's been marginalized or someone who's who's doubting their own faith because of the scandals they see and how we can be the ones who are patiently waiting for the good shepherd to go and reconcile us all to one another. Welcome, St. Lucas. We're so glad that you've joined us again for your week with St. Luke's. I'm here, this is Pastor Jen with Pastor Jeremy and Kelly Prodraki as we talk again about the kingdom of heaven and a story that Jesus tells in Matthew. Today we're concentrating on Matthew 18 um, with a familiar story where Jesus asks about um, what it means to not put an obstacle in front of little ones. And he talks about if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of them? the one who went astray. And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that went astray. So this is kind of a familiar kingdom of heaven moment, this idea that um, all are welcome and that the church and Jesus goes in search of the the one who is missing, not necessarily lost, but the one who is missing Mm -hmm. or who has been left out. And so Kelly, we're glad you're here today. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and St. Luke's. Excellent. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, So my name is Kelly. My husband, Jim. We have four kids. They're all part of St. Luke's. Um, So Ollie's 19, Ava's 13, Eli's 11, down to Isabel, who's eight. Um, Isabel and Eli are in choir. Eli did scene. Ava is a part of youth. And Ollie came late, but he was a part of youth before he headed off to college. We've been a part of St. Luke's since 2018. I actually found St. Luke's at Pride Mm. in downtown Orlando Mm -hmm. when we were looking for a new church home. So we've been a part of the St. Luke's family for going on five years now. Great. So the first question we want to ask you is specifically about the scripture um, and this idea that, you know, in other gospels, it really does talk about the the one who went astray, the, the shepherd that goes to find that sheep and that the rest rejoice or heaven rejoices, all of heaven rejoices. What do you think it means for us as a church to be called to find the one, mm-hmm. to be, mm-hmm. have a heart for the one who is missing? What does mm-hmm. that mean for you? So I was talking to Pastor Jeremy about this and this scripture because if I relate it to my own child, if I relate it to Ollie, he 
is not, was not a lost sheep, mm -hmm. but he was the one that was separated from the church, not by his doing, but by the church, mm -hmm. right? So if I, if I take it personal, into personal context and I talk about Ollie, it is about going out and finding those that need the love and the inclusivity of Jesus. And as a church, we should be loving and showing the love of Jesus, not shunning or pushing them further away from the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so this scripture for me is going out and finding not the lost, but the hurting, not the lost, but the marginalized in the community. Sure, sure. And if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly in that it's part of that is asking the question of this person who's separated, how did they how did they become that way? Right. What were the forces? What were the things that were present in the community that, that ended right. up with them not being in the fold? Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There and there's so many, right? So for mm -hmm. the LGBT plus community, mm -hmm. so many times it's the church that initially caused the hurt or caused the exclusion. But other marginalized communities, is it privilege and getting to church? Is it what is the scarcity? What, what are the reasons behind it? And mm -hmm. how can we meet those needs? Yeah. And how can we bring them in? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that makes me curious about, because, because that kind of speaks to a lot of the work that you do, right? That makes me curious about what exactly made you passionate about um, the church reaching out and finding and being community with folks who are marginalized. Sure. Yeah. So my heart definitely is for the um, for the LGBT plus community mm -hmm. because my son being a catalyst for and really opening my eyes to that community and so much of the hurt that is there. Mm -hmm. um, when we left our church, we were part of a different congregation for many years mm -hmm. in ministry. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. And when we left that church, we desperately were seeking a church home that showed the love of Jesus. Uh -huh. And so we went to the Pride Parade specifically to look at the different churches mm. and to research each one. It was, it, for me, for Ollie, it was his first Pride and he was going to Pride. Right. For me, yeah. it was yeah. like, it was a mission, it was an operation. Um, and it was my desire to find a place that we could land. Uh -huh. We needed uh -huh. a soft place to land, is what I always say. St. Luke's for us was a soft place to land. Mm. and. Since then, as I, I mean, I really had to wrestle with my faith for mm -hmm. a couple of years, leaving what I was so heavily involved in and what I was so heavily taught mm -hmm. and coming over. And since then, it's just, it's opened my eyes to wanting to reach even just one person mm -hmm. to say, you are loved, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is a home for you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what you've been taught or what you've been shown or how you've been treated mm -hmm. is not all encompassing. There right. is another way. Right. It's not, I, I love the sermon we did on, it's not and or. Right. Right. It's, it, you can be LGBT plus and, and part of the community. Right. Right. So right. that's right. where my passion comes from. That's, that's beautiful. And I think that's what Jesus was saying in the midst of this. I mean, the little ones can be anyone. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it's not just LGBTQ. It's a family. It's yeah. a family for whomever reason. I mean, uh, our bishop talks about, you know, when his mother got a divorce mm -hmm. and, and was isolated from the church. It's, it's, it's not just the one person. It's the whole family that sometimes... Yes 
feels disconnected mm -hmm. from from the from the sheep, from the flock, from the fold. And and the good shepherd is one in the kingdom of heaven that makes sure, hey, you all are all good, but there's someone missing that needs this community. Yes. And it's about the rest of the flock going, go, 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 shepherds, go find them. And we're gonna throw the party. We're gonna keep keep the home fires burning until yes. those people come back and 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 we find them and they find their home. I think that's a beautiful mm. you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just Ollie. That's it was right. your yeah. whole family. Yeah. It's it's such a good point. It, yeah. it's so valid because it truly was we were part of a very conservative Christian homeschool group mm -hmm. that we basically were kicked out of that my three young kids, all these siblings grew up in and they had to ask, why can't we go back? Why mm -hmm. can't we be a part of? They had to be educated. It was a huge actually lesson for me as a parent when I sat around that table with my family, it was me, Jim and Ollie and the three younger ones and we talked about why we had to leave this Christian co-op, this mm -hmm. homeschool co-op, mm -hmm. because Ollie identifies as transgender and they put in the bylaws based on our family mm -hmm. of who they would and would not accept, mm -hmm. right? And I had to explain to my kids why this is and I realized in that moment, this was six years ago now, seven, that I had done such a poor job of explaining. I had to go all the way back to, to racism and bigotry and I, that was another catalyst for me of, I have got to raise up, I, I, I say that I'm now raising pioneers, like mm -hmm. I have got to raise up my children that they are aware, that they understand, that they are cognizant of the, the, the lost and the hurting and that they are the ones that go out and shepherd. So it's, it's the church, it's the big, right? It's the church and it's the families and it's the individuals and it's going out and saying, you are loved, there's a space for you, there's a place for you. Um, St. Luke certainly offered that to me, and in turn, I could tell my children, and my children, it's, it's like a domino effect mm -hmm. of right. future generations then doing it as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and it's interesting, because again, I think there's so many different ways that people get on the outside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I shared the story at a speaking engagement this weekend about um, when, when I was in a particular group, a Christian group that just had a very different theology than what I was raised in. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a place for everybody's theology. There's, I mean, the right. kingdom of God is wide <laughs> on earth. Um, but for me, they really kind of honed in on women and women couldn't be in leadership, which my mother and sister were. Right. And I was like, where are you like telling me to question my mom and my sister's calling mm. and my dad who was called to support them. And, and, and I was, I was told that you're not comfortable. This is not a comfortable place for you. Mm. And so I had to wrestle with that too. Like it's even people who faithfully believe that find themselves outside. Yes. Um, and sometimes it's really important for the church to be open to those people just as much as the people who have never had a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we forget that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so my question is, you have gone back to school. I have. I just graduated, actually. And we've been talking about leading your life, that you learn the story of God, you live it in community, you love God through worship, and then go out and lead your life and let the stories and what we do here at St. Luke's and worship and study impact you to go do something, to follow your calling. So tell us about that. What has school been for you? What have you studied? And what is God calling and leading you to? Mm. Thank you. Uh, so I went back to school in 2020 
I actually, I got my associate's degree in 2000, so literally 20 years later, I went back to school to finish my bachelor's degree. And I really went back to become a better educated, more well-rounded human being who could advocate, advocate with more education behind it. Mm -hmm. um, so I honed in on women and gender studies, and I also got a minor in diversity and leadership. So uh, my goal was really, it was simply to become better educated so that I understood more and I could speak better on the topics, having that degree behind me to feel mm -hmm. like sometimes just my story with my child, I felt like maybe wasn't enough. I can now speak with, with the education too mm -hmm. and, and could learn more about the issues that are current at hand for um, women and gender. Certainly in these times, it was certainly relevant. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, uh, so now speaking from, because uh, you talk about moving from a place of experience and speaking from there and then going to school and getting theory and philosophy to support uh, your, your experience uh, or to walk alongside it. I wonder what you would say to the folks who are wanting to begin to understand those things, who are, who are wanting to begin to try and uh, make the table wider, to open the doors wider, um, and they feel like they don't have the words or the understanding to begin to really have those conversations. Um, I wonder what you, what you would say to those folks and what advice you would give them. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's funny because I, I have the, ch the child, I have the family, I have the education, I have the church, and I still, sitting here, feel like, mm -hmm. I don't have the right words. I don't sure. have enough to say. I'm not sure. educated enough. I don't sure. have the story. So I don't know if there's ever a point that you reach that you feel like, okay, mm -hmm. now I am. And I also think with race and gender and all of it, there's never a point where you know enough, you've learned enough, you're the expert on the subject. Yeah, of course. And so you just start somewhere. Yeah. That's always my advice. Start somewhere, whether that's a book, whether that's church, whether that's a person you know. Mm -hmm is a podcast, find somewhere to start. Just mm -hmm. make that first step, make that first start. I don't think you're ever gonna articulate perfectly. Sure. Sure. Right, I, I don't think you're ever gonna know it all. I, mm -hmm. I trip up every day all the time still with mm -hmm. education and experience. Sure. sure. And so it's just starting somewhere, it's that first step, It's and whatever that is, find a book, find a person, find a church, just start. Yeah, yeah, I agree so much that, that Willingness to start is so faithful. Willingness yeah, to start. That, that willingness, mm -hmm. yeah. Love that. I agree. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which John Wesley would have said, that's what our call is as Methodists, is to continue to be curious and continue to learn because the more we learn and educate ourselves, the more we actually dig into scripture. Mm -hmm. so, so it's so interesting to me that, that learning and education is not just a cultural thing, it's actually a deep discipleship thing. Yes. Because so, so this isn't a question we talked about asking you, but how, how would you connect, how have you grown in your faith because mm. of your study? Yeah, so that's a great question as well. The, the, I was in a bubble. I, I describe it as a bubble where for so long I knew scripture. Mm -hmm. I had the answers. I could recite it. I could regurgitate it, right? I, I knew. And it was cut and dry. It was scripture. And there wasn't the digging in or the questioning or the wrestling or, or the growth. You were just kind of planted and you were mm, right, solid, right. right? And so through this journey with my child and 
leaving that church and finding a new home and through all of it, it is the growth and it is the digging in and it is the curiosity and wait, I thought that meant that, but maybe not. And researching and asking the questions and trying to figure it out. I mean, I, I don't know a better word than wrestling. It, mm -hmm. It's that digging in and the uncomfortableness and the and realizing you were wrong about so much and understanding that you don't know what you thought you knew. I, I was so confident before. Mm -hmm. And I am now in a place where I can confidently say I don't know much of anything, I feel like, right? Like, I feel like... Yeah. I don't know. I answer, I don't know, or I will find out, or let me think about it, or let me research that way more than I ever have. Yeah. I, there used to be such a confidence mm -hmm. of, I know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. And my journey has shown me that there's just so much learning and growing still to be done, and I don't think that ever ends. I, I, I think you're always learning and growing. Mm. Um, so my faith has taken off in that respect because mm -hmm. I think you're stagnant right. when you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I also think, you know, there was a period where I questioned so much because I thought I knew so much. And so if I'm wrong, then what else am I wrong about? Right. Right. And, and what else? It's almost like you're on shaky ground now. So where, where's my foundation? Mm -hmm. And I have found my foundation is Jesus. Mm. Yes. It's not the church. It's not the religion. My foundation is Jesus. And um, that's where I'm held now. And I think for so long I was held by the status, the mm. church, the works. the And, um, and it's not. I, I, it's, it's right. My faith has become very mm. Jesus. Kelly, that's so beautiful because I think, I think sometimes... Uh, we hear when you question or when you wrestle, you know, don't do that. In fact, someone who we interviewed um, in the coming week, it, it was a, it, it, that's, that, that's when you're on shaky ground. But it sounds like through the questioning and wrestling, you've actually become closer to Jesus. Absolutely. Your faith has become actually stronger. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. I, wholeheartedly. Yes. So what do you think God is calling you to do next now that you've, Finish your schooling, like what is it? What is it that you're going, you know what? I'm the primary theologian of my life. I wanna go live this story. What do you think? You may not know, but like right. where do you feel like, I mean, women's study, gender study, right. race, diversity, those are beautiful things that are gospel oriented. Yes. So what are you gonna do next? It's, I feel like there's opportunities. I actually, I am applying for my master's in nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to be in that nonprofit space. And I don't know if that's focusing on my master's or if it's actually going out and finding the foundation, finding a 501c3. I just want to help. Mm -hmm. I want to be a voice. What, what's the saying? Um, be Jesus, don't talk about Jesus. Right, what's, right, what's that saying? Right. right. So um, speak Jesus, and if you have to use words, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's mm -hmm. the phrase, right? And so I want to live that, mm -hmm. and I don't know exactly what that means next. So I know for me, it starts at home. It starts with my children. It's them seeing that I went back to school, seeing where I'm headed next. It's them knowing that they can do the same, that they can go out the world, that they can help. Sidebar on that, I did a, a project with school, um, service learning, and I helped 
um, gather period supplies actually. Mm -hmm. So something that you don't really realize right. that is a, a problem in the community. It's, you think about hunger, you think about, but there's a lot of um, people that need period supplies. And so anyways, I did this service project and we garnered all these supplies and my kids were in the midst of it. Mm. You know, my kids were sorting the packages and we were talking about it and they were going out and delivering with me and they were boxing things up and this one's going to this place and we're sending this to this place. And so it's for my children to see that they can make a difference. I, I'm, I'm so just focused on wanting to raise up a generation that does the same as well as me myself doing it. So I don't know, you know, is it a career? Is it mm -hmm. um, going back for my master's? Is mm. it being focused on my children? I'm not real sure where I'm headed next, but I know it's in the space of helping marginalized communities. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and, and raising our children, this is exactly what he's talking about, is the little ones. The little ones mm. among us, not necessarily age chronologically, but, but young in the faith even, and, yeah. and how you're raising your family, providing that generation, and our youth group is doing that, is going to make a difference and yeah. absolutely is going to help the church be prepared to rejoice yeah. when, when the one is found. So thank you so much you're for welcome. joining us, Kelly. Thank you. And we hope you'll be back next week for your week as we continue to look at the kingdom of heaven and how we as St. Lucas can continue to do the work of being awakened as disciples to reveal the kingdom of God.